you have your Bibles today, I want you to go with me. I'm going to be in the 10th chapter of Hebrews, and I'm going to preach a message today entitled, The Gathering. But I want you to promise me something. Don't, don't walk away until this message is over, because if you hear half of this message, you're going to think I'm going someplace that I'm not going. So you're going to have to tune in and stay tuned in to be able to make this journey with me, all right? Let's pray together and we'll get started. Father, we're thankful for your word because we know that it's life. I thank you, God, for all of our church family, God, and those that are tuning in, Father, from other areas, Lord, that are looking for a word, that are looking for hope and strength. I pray that you just wrap your arms around them today, God, and speak to them and let them know that you're with us. We praise you for that and we thank you in Jesus' name. So let me talk to you a minute about, I wonder how many of you have ever seen a picture of food. You know, flipping through magazines, especially around the holiday season, you can see these pictures that are of, you know, Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner, and it's laid out, and it makes your mouth water, doesn't it? It's like, man, it's almost like you can smell the aroma of that food. Now, obviously, you can't. You can't smell it. You can't taste it. It, it's not going to satisfy your appetite. Now, it might give you a longing for the real thing, but it's never going to fill your belly, is it? Because it's just a snapshot, if you will. It's just a, a shadow of what's to come, of, of what's really there. You can't embrace it. You can hold that picture up like this, but you can't get a hold of anything that's inside that picture. It's the same way that you can't live in a sketch of a house or in a blueprint of a house. You may look at a blueprint of a house and go, wow, look at this house. It's laid out really neat. I, I love this house. And, and, but you can't live in it. You may see a master bedroom over here and a rec room over there in the blueprint, and it may have a basement. That blueprint might even have a big Olympic-sized swimming pool in it, but you're not going to swim a lick because it's just a sketch. It's not the real thing. The only way that you can live in it is to build the house. That's what the writer of Hebrews is telling us. He's telling us that Moses, that under the law that Moses gave, those were just types and shadows of things that were to come. It was a dim preview of the good things to come that were in Christ Jesus. But it was not the good things themselves. It was just a shadow the sacrifices under the Mosaic law, under that system, had to be repeated again and again every day. That, that, that priest was ministering every day, year after year, they were making these sacrifices. But every day that priest had to go in and he had to minister before the Lord and he was making sacrifices before God every day. And they could never cleanse us. They could never wash away our sin if they could have if if they could have provided perfect cleansing then the sacrifices would have stopped but they never stopped they were repeated year after year because the scripture said this it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins i want you to look at hebrews 10 verses 5 to 7 with me hebrews 10 verses 5 to 7 it says Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you've prepared for me. 
I want you to say that with me, but a body you have prepared for me. That's important because I'm going to be coming back to that again. This is Jesus speaking. When he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. God's will for us was for us to be made holy by the sacrifice that Jesus would make. And he would do that once for all time. He became the supreme sacrifice. He was a sacrifice that didn't have any blemish, that didn't have anything wrong with him. He was perfect. He'd never sinned in his life. And so that's what God wants for us. It was, it was in his sacrifice that our sin would be taken away. When John saw him coming, John pointed and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Let's take a look at Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 24. He says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. How many of you have been doing that lately? You know, we're, we're kind of in shell shock, aren't we? He says, motivate one another to acts of love and good works. You could call somebody up and let them know that Jesus loves them. You, you can check on your neighbor across the street. You can, hey, you're still able to go to the grocery store. You can get a bag of groceries for, for someone that needs it. I'm just telling you that God has a plan, and that plan includes a gathering. Let's look at verse 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want you to look now. Now look, it says neglect, don't, don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together, and it, it talks about much more as you see the day approaching, but he says exhort one another. The word exhort there in Greek is actually made up of two words. The first word means near like you're near to me, not far away. You're an arm's reach from me. You're, you're across the street from me. You are near to me. The second word means call, C-A-L-L, -L, call. So when you put those two words together, the thought that is, in, that is implied is this, that we are to call out to those who are near to us and invite them, invoke them to come to the gathering. To that place where believers come together to worship, where we're supposed to exhort them, get them in there. We have to be persistent and persuasive. You, you can't just sit back and relax. You've got to go after it. You've got to invite and invoke them, exhort them to come to the gathering. The command here was for us to meet together for worship of God. It's implied that there were some who neglected this. The question becomes why? Why were people not gathering together to worship God? Well, during that time in history, the church was in a state of persecution. Some may have been afraid that if they met, that they would be more exposed to danger than others. Others may just 
not have had any interest in gathering together. It's kind of the same way today with some who profess to be Christians. They're not, you know, they're, hey, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I, no, I, I never go to church. I, I don't get together for worship. We, you know, we just don't do that. And some may have neglected it from dissatisfaction with a preacher or some members of the church. Paul talked about it in his day. He said, this is what he said. He said, some of you say I'm of Paul, some of Apollos, and, and some say you're of Peter. And he asked the question, he said, is Christ divided? He, he was telling them, look, this isn't, we're not supposed to be divided as the body of Christ. We're supposed to come to the gathering. We've got to gather to worship. We've got to be able to keep the body together. We shouldn't allow anything to keep us from gathering together to worship him. Now, if, and the, the scripture said, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Well, Pastor Rick, what day is he speaking of? Well, he may have been speaking of, some commentators believe that he was speaking of Jerusalem's destruction. Then in 70 AD, you remember when Jesus went to the temple and when he walked in and he turned tables over and, and he looked and he said, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered together as a hen gathers her chicks, but you, you wouldn't let me. And he said, now your house is left desolate and you won't see me henceforth till you say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And the disciples, when he did that, the disciples went to him because, man, the temple was one of the wonders of the world. It was a work of art. And, and they, they went to Jesus and the Bible said they, they went to him to show him the buildings of the temple. It was like they were trying to get his attention, saying, Jesus, come, come back here and look at the temple. And he looked at them and he said, do you see this place? I'm telling you that there won't be one stone that's left upon another that won't be pulled down. What was he saying? He was saying this, that the temple would be destroyed. And so in 70 AD, that's exactly what happened. And so some believe that here the writer of Hebrews is telling them we've got to gather together and we need to do that even more so as that day is approaching when the temple would be destroyed but others believe that it's the return of the Lord and much more as you see the day approaches you get ready for the return of the Lord don't forsake the don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together don't get off in a corner and try and your, live your life alone. You, we, we need each other. Just turn around to that person that's right next to you, and if there's nobody next to you, if you're at home alone right now, just call somebody up or, or text somebody and say, hey, I need you. We need each other. Others, but look, look it may be as, as, as much more as you see the day approaching. What if it's speaking about the day of our death? I don't want to run this race and run it good, and then as I get closer to the time I'm getting ready to leave this world to begin to back off and let go of those things that I've held on to for so long. So we're not to neglect that. We're not to neglect the gathering together to worship him as the day approaches. What day is it speaking of? Well, today I'm speaking about the day of the virus. Everybody say the virus. Look, nobody wanted it, did they? Nobody asked for it. Nobody dialed up heaven and said, could you send a dose of virus down here? It didn't come from God. It came from the pit of hell. But I'm telling you, the Bible, that God knows how to use things. Things that were intended to harm us, God can turn around and use it for his glory. Whatever the day is, we need to seize it. We need to seize the opportunity. Don't neglect the gathering of ourselves together. 
I know what the question is. The question that everybody's saying right now is, well, Pastor Rick, how in the world are we supposed to gather together now that we've all been quarantined? I mean, I'm preaching to a house full of two people right now. You say, well, what are we supposed to do? You said don't neglect the gathering of yourselves together. Look, I've, I've been thinking about this the last couple of days, and I think we need to examine the gathering a little more closely. So I want to talk to you about the gathering. Don't neglect the gathering of ourselves together. You see, before the virus ever hit, more than one and a half billion people were gathering together every day, not as believers, but as Facebook friends. 500 million joined together daily on Instagram, and 145 million were tweeting each other every 24 hours. Do you understand what I'm saying? The biggest revival the world has ever seen is within our grasp. There are nearly 4 billion people on social media worldwide right now. What's happened? The virus has forced us all into a medium that can reach half the world. Do you understand? We're, th there are people that are broadcasting services that never broadcast it before. Listen to me, I'm broadcasting daily on our church Facebook. I'm sharing every day. I had never done that before. What catapulted in me into this situation? Why am I doing that? Because I know that our church family is out there and they need to stay connected. And I've kept thinking about this, oh God, what? and then it dawned on me that God has forced us into a place where we're able to reach the world with a message of hope and help. And we would have never done it if it hadn't been for the moment in time for every believer we have to be actively persistently and persuasively letting the world know Jesus is alive and well and he's reaching out his arms to us and this is what he's saying come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is giving an invitation to those that are fearful. He's giving an invitation to those that are distressed and that are wringing their hands, but that invitation has to come through someone's mouth. And in this case, we're back to, you remember the yellow pages and what that motto was, let your fingers do the walking? Well, look, you can let your fingers do the talking. Do you understand that you, you can get on, you, I, I'm, I'm challenging you to become an evangelist in this time. I'm challenging you to get on Facebook because, friend, I am telling you that there is more activity going on Facebook now than in the history of the world. I guarantee you there's more church services happening on Facebook right now than ever before in our history. 
And we need to activate that. We need to come alive in that. Don't get hunkered down in a corner and stay back someplace. You need to raise your hands up and say, here I am, God, use me. Let your fingers become evangelists. Let your, look, get on your Facebook and send messages of hope. Get on FaceTime and tell somebody about the goodness of God because we've got this window of opportunity. Look, I'm not wanting this to be prolonged. I'm ready for it to shut down and close up. But it's taught me one thing, uh, that we need to reach the world. And we need to do it like we've never tried to do it before. I want you to think about this in Luke chapter 17, verses 34 and 37. Let me read this to you because here Jesus speaks of his return. And this is what he says. He says, I tell you in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to them, where, Lord? Where are these, where are these people going to be taken? Now watch this. Verse 37, he said unto them, wheresoever the body is. Say that with me, the body. Wheresoever the body is, that's where the eagles will be gathered together. Now go back and look at verse Hebrews 10 and 5. Just flip there in your Bible with me. And it says, Jesus spoke and said, but a body you have prepared me. And here in Luke, he says, wherever the body is, that's where the eagles will be gathered together. I believe Jesus is that body, that we as believers are the eagles. He tells us to mount up with wings like an eagle, and he said, wherever he is, that's where we're going to show up for the gathering, right? Wherever he's at right now, the gathering place is the internet. That's where we're at right now. We're on the internet, and eagles need to flood the internet. Eagles need to get up off their couch shut off CNN and MSNBC and shut off Fox and get up off your couch and spread your wings and say, God, use me today to bring hope and courage to someone. Let my mouth be your mouth. Let my hands become your hands and use me to share the message that you're alive, you're well, and you're able. So we are to exhort one another, right? I don't believe God sent this virus, but I believe that we can use it to seize the day. Jesus told us in Acts 1 and 8 that we would be witnesses to him in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. You say, well, man, I'm 70 years old, Pastor Rick. How in the world am I going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth? I'm getting ready to show you. So when we begin to exhort one another on social media, give the call to those near you. The good news is that on the web, the uttermost parts of the earth just became your next door neighbor. Do you understand that China is just a click away? Russia has come to your doorstep and Iran is waiting to hear. Let the eagles fly and declare that his body is alive and well. You're an evangelist. Spread the good news of Jesus Christ. We've got to get rid of this mindset that's got us hunkered down in a corner. 
We've got to shake off this depression that's trying to take us over, and we need to recognize that God wants to use us. I, I wish there was a way that we could track this, that how many people are broadcasting this weekend I was calling some of my pastor friends and finding out how they were doing and, you know, what they're doing. And, and every one of them is broadcasting. Some, some of them have never done this before in their life. Now, look, we go live every week, but some of the folks that I'm talking to, they've never done it before in their life, but they were forced to do it. They were put in a position where all of a sudden they had to get on a medium to be able to reach their people. And when they did it, they exposed nearly 4 billion people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about it, folks. See, we're, we're just tracking it. One thing you've got to understand, and I hope you get this, that once you put it on the web, it's there forever. <laughs> uh, do you understand that? This message is out there forever. It's not going away. When, when this is all said and done and we're back to our normal routine and our normal lives, the Word is going to continue to be out there. And you don't know that someone in a remote, a remote part of the world is one day going to find Internet. Look, I, when we were traveling, I, a few years ago I was over in Trinidad and I was in this remote village. We were back up in there preaching, you know, barely any electricity up in there. And I'm in there and, and somebody walked up to me and said, Hey, Pastor Rick, I... I see you every Sunday. And I looked at them kind of quizzically, and he said, we get the Internet out here, man. And so he was on the Internet watching the services. Do you understand the power and the wisdom of God that he made a medium that would reach through all the world because the Bible said that he wasn't going to return until the world had heard about the good news of Jesus. We are living in that moment, in that hour when we're telling the world and we're ushering in his coming. I hope you get that. I'm stirred up about this today. I'm, I'm trying to behave myself, but I'm getting a little bit excited in this place. You ever get excited and there's only a couple people looking at you? And, you know, Debbie's, Debbie's on the front row going, amen, brother, go, go, go. I'm telling you that God has given us a window, and if we're not careful, we're going to miss it. If we're not careful, we're going to spend time complaining about it. And, talk, and I'm guilty of it. I've been complaining about it. It, it. it rubs me the wrong way to not have these doors open and, and it would be different. If, look, if the government was telling me we're mandating you can't open up because we don't believe the gospel of Jesus Christ, that'd be completely different. You can rest assured these doors would be open. But when they're saying that we're trying to protect the lives of people and we've seen this virus sweep all over the place and we don't want to put people at risk, and I'm thinking about the fact that and it just dawned on me, man, God has pushed us into a place. It was kind of like, you know, Acts 1 and 8 I talked about. Well, they, kept, they stayed in Jerusalem. And because they stayed in Jerusalem, they weren't moving out. All of a sudden, Acts 8 and 1 happened. Well, what's Acts 8 and 1? It said that a persecution rose up and the church was scattered. And where was it scattered? It was scattered to all those places he told the church to go in the first place. I'm telling you, it's time for us to shake it off and say, yes, God, I'm going to do it. Make you a list of people that you're going to come in contact with. Look, let me tell you something. If you've got an elderly person in your family that may be alone somewhere, make sure that they have a way to get on the web. Don't let them set 
sit there all by themselves, all alone, and they can't connect to the body. The Bible said don't neglect that gathering. If you've got to take an iPad over there and get them on it and show them how to use it, do that because they need to be a part of this. Not only then will it feed their soul, but it gives them the opportunity to share with others and feed their souls. Somebody shout yes. It's time for us to soar above it all. We need to rise up with wings like an eagle. Do you know that storms don't keep an eagle down? That when a storm rises, that eagle doesn't sit hunkered down. That eagle will fly right into the eye of that storm and lock its wings and allow the wind of adversity to catapult it up above the storm. Friend, I've... I've flown in, in, all over the place, and I'm telling you, I've been in some aircraft where I was flying below the storm, where I was in it. I could see the lightning, I could, but there were other places that when I was flying, they took me above it. And do you know that above every storm, the skies are blue? <laughs> Do you know that above every storm, that, that old saying that there's a silver lining, you know, hey, I'm telling you, all you've got to do is get up high enough and you're going to leave the storm behind. So why don't you just raise your hands right now and begin to worship him? Why don't you just begin to love him right now and say, God, I choose to leave this storm behind. I'm not going to be trapped in this adversity. I'm not going to let this depression take my joy. I'm not going to allow what I'm going through or what I'm feeling in my heart or in my mind. I'm not going to let that rob me of the fact that you are Jehovah Jireh, my provider, that you're the Lord God that healeth me, that you, God, are in control. And so I choose rather to lock my wings and say, here I am, God. Catapult me above this. I'm going to be a witness for you. I'm going to declare to the world you're alive, you're well, and you're able. Come on, folks. Let's make it happen. Let's let the world hear our voice. I'm just telling you, I feel like it's time that we dominate social media. Let's take over Facebook. Let's get on Instagram. Let's get on Twitter and tweet so much about Jesus that we wear everybody out. What are you talking about wearing everybody? I'm telling you, every day, the news is being broadcast. They didn't quit broadcasting because of this virus. Why should we? They keep spreading the bad news, and it keeps causing everybody to get in fear. What would happen if we started spreading some good news? Oh, but pastor, what if you get the virus? What if you die? I'm going to go to heaven. <laughs> what could be bad about that? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not in any hurry to leave here. But do you understand that when I step out of this life, I, I'm not gone. I'm stepping into a brand new life and a brand new hope. How could I be sad about that? Don't let the devil put you in a place of isolation. It's his way, you know it. It's what he tried to do with the army of Israel. It's what he attempted to do with David. But David refused it. He went to the army of Israel for 40 days, and every day he said to that army, send me a man, one man. He didn't want the whole army coming. He wanted to isolate somebody. Because the devil knows if he can isolate you, he can intimidate you. And David showed up. When David showed up, that same giant made his boast, but David was insulated. <laughs> They say 
that there have been a lot of folks that have been exposed to this virus and they don't even know it, and now they're immune to it. Ooh, I feel that. <laughs> what are you talking about? It can't have any power over them anymore. And so David was insulated against the giant's rant and rave. And when the giant came out and said, send me a man to fight, I defy the armies of the living God. David said, who does he think he is defying the armies of the living God like that? He said, I'll go fight that rascal. He said, and, and then when he showed up on the battlefield, Goliath is looking at him and he's thinking, I'm, I'm going to intimidate this boy. I'm going to make fear grab his heart. And he said, come on out here, boy. I'm going to take your body and feed it to the fowls of the air and the beasts of the earth. Come on out here. I'll break you up a little bit. David looked at him and said, you've got to a spear, a shield, and a sword, but there's something you don't have that I got, and it's the God of Israel, and I'm coming to you in his name right now, and he's going to deliver you into my hand. Whatever it is you're facing, God is breaking it right now in Jesus' name. Somebody say, I believe it. I'm going to wrap up here in just a second. Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Now look, what's happened is not good, but God can bring good out of it. Let the world know there's hope, and that hope is in Jesus. So I want to pray for you right now. You're watching, and you may have never said yes to him. Now's the time to do it. The Bible said today is the day of salvation. Say, Pastor Rick, I don't know how to go about it. I'm going to walk you through a prayer right now. And I know and some of you are saying, well, now, wait a minute. Wait, it can't be as simple as praying a prayer. Oh, don't misunderstand. It wasn't simple at all. It was very hard. But Jesus did the hard part. Jesus had to give his life at Calvary's cross, a body you've prepared for me. And he took that body and he became the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But I've been to Israel I've been to the garden tomb outside Jerusalem, and I'm telling you, it's empty because the body's risen. Well, where's the body now? Just look for the eagles. Because wherever the body is, that's where eagles gather together, where the church, where the believers begin to unite and worship. And right now, we're right there with you. Jesus is right there with you right now. I wonder if you'd open your heart and just let him in. Would you pray this prayer with me? Father, I need you. I'm not sure about everything that's happening in the world, but the one thing that I am sure of is I can't do this alone. I, I don't want fear in my life. I, I want to know that I know that I know that things are well with my soul. So today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. 
I turn my back on yesterday's living. I repent of it. I turn away from it. And I stretch my hands towards you and say, here I am, God. Please hold me. Please forgive me. Please love me. I accept you as my Lord and Savior right now. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and that that same spirit that caused him to rise from the dead now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant that from your heart, you ought to feel a little bit lighter right now because the weight of sin's been lifted off of you. It can't be put back on you. The Bible said as far as the east is from the west. He takes it and he casts it into a sea of forgetfulness. So it doesn't belong to you anymore. It doesn't have your name on it. Don't let the devil try and put something back on you that God has delivered you from. Just take a moment to raise your hands right now and thank him for it. Father, I just thank you. I thank you that I'm free, that I'm saved that I'm yours in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, for those of you that have already prayed and you've already given your heart to God, here's my charge to you. Become that evangelist I was talking about. Don't neglect the gathering together to worship. You get on that social media forum. You've got access to nearly 4 billion people if you'll put the word out there, he'll cause the ones that need to hear it to come. And the truth is, is we all need to hear, don't we? For faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. So do that right now. This is what I want to encourage you to do. We're on the church Facebook page every day live between somewhere between five and six, and we announce that daily what time we're going to be on. You can not just share your words, but you could help share mine if you access that page and then all you have to do is with a click of a finger let that little finger become an evangelist with a click of a finger hit share and it'll go to all your friends and then encourage your friends to hit share again and it will go to their friends I just went back on Facebook last Saturday I'd been off of it for a long time because I, I, I just, I'm a face-to-face -face person, and I didn't want people messaging me and then me not check it for two or three days, and they needed prayer, and, and I didn't pray for them in a timely manner, so I just got off of it altogether, but I felt compelled to get back on it. I felt like God put a mandate on me to get back on, and so we're sharing every day. Do you know that I've already had about, I guess, five or six nations come on to friend me first I was hesitant about doing that but I thought you know what I want to get this word to as many people as I possibly can even though I may not know them face to face if they've accepted Christ as Lord they're my brother and they're my sister reach out and touch someone today let God use you in ways you never dreamed of before we love you I'll see you tomorrow night on the church page.
hope to see, hope you're there. Make sure to share this with someone, all right? Until then, God bless you. Stay encouraged and spread those wings to fly in Jesus' name. Amen.